So I'm uh, Chris Rees. I'm one of the InventurePrize organizers. We have the other organizers with us here tonight as well. Ray Vito, Craig Forrest, Todd Solchik, Pete Ludovic, Merrick First is a part of the organizers. So, uh, so we'll get started here in a few minutes. Judging actually starts at 6 o'clock, but I just want to cover a few things real quick. Uh, so we started the competition with 537 students, so we are down to 266 strong. So this is the most ever in terms of uh, students who've actually competed in the Adventure Prize by more than 100, 100 plus students. So you should be commended. It shows that innovation and startups are alive and well here at Georgia Tech. So get a big hand for that. All right, so the judges and I look forward to meeting with you and talking to you about your projects. So just uh, relax, grab some food, just give your best pitch, and everything will be fine. So let me talk uh, just a few house cleaning things. So let me give thanks to all the judges. We have over 50-something judges tonight who volunteered uh, their time to review your projects. So give them a hand, please. So the, the judges will deliberate, the organizers will deliberate tomorrow. We'll decide between 20 and 30 semifinalists. Once we make those decisions early next week, I'll let you know who those semifinalists are. So with that, have a good night. Hi guys, we are at Inventure Prize 2016 and the class atrium and we are going to interview a couple of teams before the judges get here to judge them. Hi guys, uh, welcome to What's the Buzz and please introduce yourselves. My name is Daniel Pardo. Hi, I'm Adriana Bodlak. I'm Nico Villarroel. And I'm Chidozia Ugumadu. And sorry, I should have asked this before, but your majors, please. BME. BME as well. BME as well. BME as well. Go BME! Awesome! And uh, please tell us a little bit about your project. So, our project is a pediatric jet nebulizer, and it basically treats asthmatic patients with aerosolized medicine. And so, we decided to tackle a couple different things with our device. Um, one of them being an automatic shutoff. And so, a lot of the devices in households, like, they're used for th children. And so, the mothers, they have to monitor the children and kind of be like all over them when it comes to their treatment time and so this allows the mother to not have so much of time being spent with the child and she can just put a timer and then she can kind of leave the child with the device and it turns off on its own. Yeah so we also redesigned the mask so that there would be um, vents like along the sides. I don't know if you're not seeing me but I'm still like doing hand motions. <laughs> So yeah, we redesigned the mask so there would be like vents on the side and on the bottom because like during these medication treatments, you get a lot of the medication like comes up the top of the mask and like will enter the eyes and it starts to really bother your eyes and it can, you know, it's not good for medication that's supposed to be in your lungs to be in your eyes, of course. So the design, the idea behind this design was to reduce that so that all the excess medication like comes out the sides and the bottom and doesn't bother the child during the treatment. Yeah, so one of our goals was to decrease the um, amount of time that it takes for the treatment to uh, be completed. So in order to reduce that, we used a higher power air compressor and we have encased it in a box that has an interactive design for kids so they can play with the device while they're being treated. And towards that same end of sort of increasing the time efficiency of the device, we also made it so that multiple users can use it at the same time so that people who have more than one child with asthma or acute bronchitis can treat more than one child at the same time. Also, one of the other things we noticed was that the device was really boring during the treatment. And so if you look at the panels on the sides of the device, you'll notice that they're interactive sort of panels just to 
let the kids uh, play around more as they're doing their treatment. Did you have any particular inspiration for the project? A couple of us had asthma when we were children. I was one of them included, and so I had to use this a lot when I was little. And you said, said this was your 2300 project? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes, it was. It was the same team? And you, oh, you also said that this was you received an invitation. Yes, we got a gold ticket from 2300. Yay! <laughs> okay, cool. Thank you so much. Hi guys, uh, welcome to What's the Buzz? And what what team are you guys? We are Team Wobble. Introduce yourself, please. I'm Garrett Wallace, BME 2017. I'm Anna Gomez, BME 2017 as well. And Matthew Devlin, BME 2017. Very nice to meet you guys. Would you like to tell us a little bit about your project? Sure, so the motivation for this project comes from my work with the Emory Center for Rehabilitation Medicine and my team's interest in sports medicine. We're producing an improvement on current clinical balance tests by uh, designing a low-cost perturbation platform. And what exactly will the application be? We are gearing this product mostly to sideline concussions testing in a sports environment. Very cool. Anything else that you would like to share, any of you? We are going to shake up clinical balance <laughs> testing. <laughs> okay, I can see that. You guys are so pumped up. Now we are on to the next team, and would you guys please introduce your team and yourselves? Okay, we are Team Firehood, okay. and I'm Tyler Sisk. I'm Zach Perron. What major are you? Uh, I'm electrical engineering. I'm computer engineering. And can you tell us a little bit about your project? So we're, we created like a heads-up display for firefighters that's actually in their mask. It shows them different information about their surroundings, like such as temperature, and also about their selves, like biometric data. And uh, that's all displayed in like a tiny little screen inside their mask. Did you have any particular inspiration for this idea? Um, yeah, actually, I had a family friend who I actually go to church with. And I, we were talking about how firefighting is, how it actually is inside the fire. And he was like, it's like having a blanket over your eyes and being next to a really hot furnace. And like, that's not a good situation, especially when you don't know what's going around, like on around you. Very cool. Thank you so much. Hi guys, uh, what's your team name? Uh, we are BAC, the Battle Against Coins. Introduce yourself, please. So I'm Deepak Aaron, I'm a fourth year chemi. And I'm David Mbanu, I'm a second year electrical engineering student. And please tell us a little bit about your project. So basically what we're trying to do is we're going to try to get rid of coins. So what you do is when you go to store, say something costs like four, 460 and you pay with a five, instead of getting 40 cents back in coins, you just swipe the card and the 40 cents gets put onto the card. And then as our company, we would just take off like a one cent or two cent uh, profit. That's it. That's it. So it's really simple, but it's the idea. What was the inspiration for this? Personally, we, we, just, we just hate coins. We just hate getting back change. Exactly. And there was a story about some guy. He went all over his house, took, got all the coins, and it was like $2,000. <laughs> I think it was a BuzzFeed article where this guy collected coins for about 20 years, okay, yes. and he like filled up jars, yeah, like yeah. huge jars, yeah. Or something. Yeah. You know, yeah, using it for a dentistry <laughs> appointment, but yeah, he had like, I think $5,000 in coins or something. So, was it that much? Yeah. It's like a penny cost 1.7 cents to make, oh, yeah. okay. and then nickels cost 8.09. So both, but I think annually the U.S. loses a hundred million every year just on making pennies and nickels. That's an interesting statistic. Thank you so much. Anything else you'd like to share with us? Yeah, just some um, applications. So we were thinking places like gas stations, like people pay there all the time with like little change. They'll buy like some beef jerky or maybe they'll buy $20 worth of gas, but they're consistently getting change back. And so that change tends to add up. And so 
one very easy way to use this would be something like a vending machine. Like you always have to have like a dollar twenty-five, and you're like, okay, I have a dollar, but not dollar twenty-five. They don't take debit cards. So hopefully, we think about maybe using something where these could be usable at uh, vending machines, and that'd be a really easy way to just, hey, got dollar sixteen, some crazy amount that you're not going to have, swipe it with the card. So absolutely. And are there any current obstacles that you see for the project b becoming a reality? Uh, I guess the main obstacle, if you will, is basically there's going to obviously would have to be a big software implementation. So, you know, you have cashier registers, they have to be, there has to be some sort of software relating to that. So if we were to win the competition and get money, we could put that towards funding the software venture. And of course, it would have to go, you know, it's go big or go home. Right. So it'd have to be like around everywhere. So we'd use our money to hopefully get around so everybody could use it. Be helpful, yeah. This is very cool. Thank you so much. Hi guys, how are you? Doing well. Uh, what major are you guys? We're all IE. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And introduce yourselves. Uh, my name is Saeed Siddiqui. My name is David Wang. And I'm his brother, Henry Wang. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and uh, please tell us something about your project. So we're, we're Navlet, and what we really seek to do is like, when, when you go to a new place, you don't really know anything about the city where you're visiting. You often sit in your hotel room or you kind of walk around not knowing what to do. What we hope to do is connect you with somebody like you so you can quickly and efficiently get the best experience you can. Put short, we're the Uber of tour guides. Makes it kind of like a Tinder, coffee meets bagel kind of thing, but without the dating element. Please. Yeah. 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 Want to be your global friends in travel. So want to be by your side and you can get the most out of your traveling experience. What, what was your inspiration for this idea? So I, actually when we when we started thinking about this idea, we were actually thinking about the Inventure Prize. We started we started thinking like, okay, we need to think of an idea for the Inventure Prize. And we had a bunch of bad ideas and we ended up coming up with this one. And when we thought of this idea, we decided to enter Hack Atlanta with the idea and build a build a web app for it. And we actually placed second place overall there and won the best Microsoft prize. So, wow. Yeah. That Surface Pro is actually from win the winnings from that. I sort of also thought about this idea, like I mentioned earlier, uh, when we were in an internship. So I had, was interning in Cisco Supply Chain in Lawrenceville, and there had been a, uh, an intern from Northwestern, and he had been there for one term. He was co-oping, um, and so I asked him, you know, what do you think of Atlanta so far? And he hated it. He said it was horrible, but that's mainly because he stuck only to Lawrenceville and Metro Atlanta. So I said, you know what? You never actually ventured into the city because you're just kind of alone here. So let me take you. So give me, give me the summer, and let me show you what Atlanta truly is like. I took him to. I showed him all the ethnic cuisines, the diverse culture that we have. You know, Persian food, Indian food, Chinese food, everything, dim sum, you name it. I took him, uh, you, you name all the nightlife. Uh, I took him all the bars in Buckhead, nightclubs, everything. He, so at, by the end of the internship, basically, he said he'd live here. He actually was like, you know, Georgia Tech, Atlanta, man, I wish I was here instead of Northwestern. So I kind of, you know, convinced him. And, you know, that's what sort of, mean, when me and Saeed and Henry got together, like, we, there should be an infrastructure for us to kind of accelerate that kind of relationship. Right. So. And all of us are big fans of traveling. And one very important aspect we realize is that when we go out with friends, it's all the insight experience that they have about their city that get us the most into knowing, oh, how is this city truly like? Unlike what they advertise about online or say we Googling something and see all the attractions online, all those things are a little bit different from a local's perspective. And that's why we want to connect this bridge to connect people from the outside to people who have been living in that place for maybe several years. And so we can like 
really just give them the opportunity to connect to bond and maybe they can share their interest and eventually they become a lifelong friend. No, absolutely. It's a great idea. I see a matrix that's on your screen, which is comparing your company to yep. popular travel websites, right? Um, so can you tell us how it's different? Um, so basically, uh, how, how the application works is that first, the first step is you go to the city, you say where you're going, and then you're immediately brought up with, you know, kind of the attributes you'd put in, so your interests, your background. So maybe your back, example background would be, you know, well, what ethnicity are you? Or, you know, what college did you go to? What, where do you, do you work? Where are you interning? You know, what kind of stuff are you interning, doing in your internship? And also your interests, you know, what, what are some of your habitual things you like to do? What do you like to read books, et cetera, et cetera. And then once you do, once you do that, we have a, we run a matching algorithm on that with our current tour guides that are in the area. And uh, you'll be able to see all the matches for the tour guide. So when you are going on an actual tour guide, you're, you're essentially going with a friend, someone who's really similar to you. So the places that you go to will be matched to both of your interests. And it'll be a very fun and enjoyable experience. So yeah, so that's basically what, what you can do. And as you can see here, the people to people match is something we really, um, it's one of our uh, uh, unique yeah, unique uh, factors um, and also a personalized itinerary so the only other person that does that is Utrip and it does it by artificial intelligence we actually do ours by we have a web application um, dashboard that the guy can go ahead and just put his own uh, you know directions tips it's all it's a user interface set up for that um, and also uh, besides meetup we do we were one of the only ones to target initially college students and interns um, and we you know of course you know a lot of people were, everyone else is focused on travel guidance but basically you know the college college intern scenes and kind of the personalized itinerary along with you know who you are as a person makes us unique go for a vacation yeah. now <laughs> because I'm like yeah I think this every time I go for a vacation now because I, I recently went to Vegas and like me I went with my family and like I would get so frustrated because we just didn't we couldn't decide where to eat we went to this place called Grand Lux like three times and it's just <laughs> and it's just Cheesecake Factory like it's the same exact thing it's yeah. actually made by the same company See, I think the cost you pay to get someone who's an expert in the city versus the cost you pay for having a bad experience it's totally worth it to pay that extra amount so angle life next time when you go on traveling you don't have to think about all the other tools okay. just go straight to our navlet.com and you'll find something there yes I will. thank you so thank you much hi guys how are you I'm doing well doing well okay. please introduce yourself and your majors uh, I'm Patrick Pitaluga and uh, I was a business administration major was was and now I am a co-founder of Grubbly Farms. Oh, very cool. So you've graduated. Yeah. Uh, my name is Sean Warner. I was in building construction, and I also got out in May. Very cool. I didn't know people came back to do InVenture. Yeah. Yeah, we're cool. allowed to do it, so. Wow. Uh, you can apply to InVenture up to one year after graduation, as long as you came up with the idea while you were still in school. Okay, so you got you were one of the teams that got the golden ticket or something uh, at, no. on Capstone? No. no. We had previously been accepted into startup or startup semester, which was a 10-week program in my final semester at Tech. After that, we were accepted into the startup summer program through CreateX, and then here we are now. So you've like done everything that you could possibly have taken advantage of at Tech, so that's amazing. Okay, please tell us something about your uh, project. Um, so we are growing insects to uh, create a new source of sustainable protein. Uh, so right now the main sources of protein are fish meal or soy meal. 
and uh, there's a superfluous amount of food waste in the U.S. So we're taking that food waste, feeding it to insect larvae, and then processing the larvae into a uh, high protein or rich protein source that goes into animal feeds. And the invention that we're showcasing today is something that we've been working on for the past few weeks. Uh, it's a new way to grow insect larvae at a much denser scale. Uh, so pretty much you can grow more larvae in a smaller facility and a smaller footprint, uh, just increasing the overall effects and efficiency of growing protein. How did you come up with the idea? Uh, it kind of started off as a joke. Our last semester in Georgia Tech, we started this uh, breeding flies in our laundry room down at Centennial. And uh, we actually had read online, the U.S., the whole insect industry was kind of lagging behind just due to the stigma of insects. And Africa and Europe uh, were really pushing forward for this. And we read that breeding the flies is actually one of the most challenging parts in an indoor environment. So that's where we started in our laundry room. And after a month of experimenting with different light sources, we were able to actually get some egg production from there we eventually moved to a greenhouse in our back or my backyard and then recently we partnered with Kennesaw State University and we're utilizing a greenhouse on one of their farms did you guys have any kind of cell culture or lab vet lab experience before at tag nope. uh, not really I mean being building construction and business the biology aspect was pretty new to us but yeah. tech taught us how to stick our head into a textbook so yeah. very cool what was the, did you have any inspiration uh, for the idea uh, uh, not really. Uh, <laughs> I just love the whole potential for pretty much doing good for the earth, uh, reducing our dependency on overfishing the oceans, uh, reducing the amount of land that we need or uh, rainforest that we cut down to grow more soy, uh, and then also just reducing the amount of food waste that goes to landfills. I mean, the overall uh, social and environmental impact that we can have on a large scale is really, I think, one of the driving forces uh, behind doing this. And um, what will be the most common uh, obstacles that you face to, to make this mass producible? Okay, uh, in the U.S., it's legal. Uh, so right now, insects are not allowed to be produced or not allowed to be used in livestock feed. Uh, it has to be an approved source. So we're working with the FDA and the USDA now to get insects or this particular species, uh, the species we use called the black soldier fly. Uh, we're working with them to get allow that to be used as animal feed. Uh, so we're going through feed trials and things of that nature uh, with them and with other universities to prove the safety and that it doesn't alter the taste of meat or anything like that. Once, once all that's done, it should be about maybe a year to a year and a half out for fish to be able to do it, but uh, it might be a little bit longer before chickens can eat it as a feed source. So we're still in research and development. Uh, we are currently selling in the market. However, uh, we've, we've entered the market as selling just whole dehydrated larvae as treats for chickens. Right now, there's a growing number of people who keep chickens in their backyards as pets, uh, either as a hobby to have eggs or just, I mean, as pets. And some of these people buy treats for them. Right now on the market, the most treats come, most treats are dehydrated mealworms, all of which come from China and so aren't entering to the market just so we can start selling before we have legal approval to go into actual animal feed is to sell these as treats to the pet poultry market uh, and it's the US grown sustainable environmentally friendly 
uh, chicken treat, whereas instead of coming from China, it's grown in the U.S. And with the aspect of uh, actually raising the larva, we do offer a waste management service of collecting food waste. Uh, right now, even though we still are very small scale, we're collecting food waste from Arden's Garden, uh, a lot of their pulp food waste from their juices that they make, and we're recycling about six to 800 pounds a week. Wow, that's intense. Yeah. But great talking to you. Thank you yeah, so thank much. You. Thank you. Hi, Zach. How are you? I'm doing quite well. How are you? Good. Um, can you tell us about your uh, project? So uh, my project is the Cocoon 360 system. It's a lacing system for a shoe, uh, specifically a cleat. Um, the main problem that we're that athletes are facing today is that shoes are becoming lighter but less productive. Um, a lot of ankle injuries and a lot of foot injuries are occurring in the, in the world today. Uh, and that's because there's no compression around the ankle or compression around the foot. So our idea is to create a system that has 360 degrees worth of compression. And the only way to do that is to incorporate the lacing system into the shoe itself and not just on the t very top portion. So we're creating a, loo a looping system basically around the foot and around the ankle. This, this has amazing health aspects and hopefully we're, we hope in the future to incorporate two or three systems as in your ankle, your foot and your shoe to being one system, an all incorporative system. Uh, again, the uh, system is a Cocoon 360. And what was your inspiration for this? Um, I was actually injured uh, for a, a career-ending injury with my ankle, and uh, during the recovery process, and, uh, every shoe that I ever put on never gave me the support that I really felt I needed. That kind of came in, into all culmination when I decided to make my own shoe uh, to really beef up my design. Um, and really incorporate an ankle, an ankle and foot combination. Very cool. And I see you're a one-man team. Yes, yes, I am, as of right now. And you said you've been working on this for the past five years. Uh, yes, yes. The idea came to me about five years ago uh, to incorporate the lacing system around the foot. Uh, but two or three years ago, it really hit home uh, because of my ankle injury. That's very cool, Zach. Um, all the best. And what major are you? Uh, material Science and Engineering. Okay. Thank you. Good luck. Thank you. Whoops, that was a whistle. Looks like the judges are about to come in. So that's time up for me, guys. I'm sorry I wasn't able to interview more teams for the preliminary round. And this is me, Malvika, signing off. Stay tuned to What's the Buzz for the next episode of Behind the Scenes at Inventure Prize 2016. Bye.